Welcome to our weekly 30-minute podcast, The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. Our podcast will cover a variety of topics that are often overlooked, misunderstood, or even controversial from a biblical perspective. We're blessed to have a team of wonderful producers who want to make each episode something that will be enjoyable and informative. In today's episode, we will continue with part two of how to love God's way. There are healthy and unhealthy behaviors people label as love. We will explore some of those behaviors and conclude with the story of God's way of loving. I'll be right back with today's In last week's podcast, we talked about four different types of love. Storge, philia, eros, and agape. Some of us have experienced a variety of these types of love at some time. We concluded it is the happiest way to love. The other types are an integral part of our human experience in the family, when dating, working, in social and religious relationships. I think you will agree we desire and aim for what is healthy for us and the people we love. Remember, we do not hurt the people we love. When we love God's way, we can achieve these noble goals. Today we will look at healthy and unhealthy ways to love. Unfortunately, many people are in unhealthy relationships which cause stress, sickness, disease, emotional and psychological issues that disrupt their lives. As I said in last week's podcast, everywhere, everyone wants to be happy, loved in a healthy way, and enjoy a fulfilling life. However, sometimes the people we are attracted to or are in a relationship with are unhealthy people and they bring their baggage with them. We all know people who try to make unhealthy friendships and relationships work even when it hurts them. It does not make sense, but love does not make sense, especially when it's said to be blind. Two unhealthy behaviors are when a person is possessive or Obsessive. You may know of someone who is or has been in one of these types of relationships. Let me be upfront with you. This is not good. It is not healthy. Neither is it loving God's way. In fact, it is not love. The possessive person takes control of the person's life as if he or she is their private property. The possessive person may feel they have a right to take control of the relationship. Here are some of the thoughts. Here's their mindset. You belong to me. Your life belongs to me. Give me all your attention. I am the only one who matters, and I decide who you talk to and or socialize with. 
We want to love and be loved, but I do not think any of us want every aspect of our lives to be under the microscope, scrutinized or observed as if we are animals in a cage. We're captivated by love, but we are not locked in a cage where we are fed, given water, and allowed out for a few hours of exercise. God's way of loving is not controlling or putting a collar on one's neck and attaching a tight leash. Love is not blind. It is trusting. Love is not a prison. It should be a paradise, a beautiful garden of love and understanding. In an article dated September 18, 2018, Christine Cherney wrote an article on obsessive love disorder. She wrote an obsessive lover may have a type of mental health disorder. Here are some of the symptoms listed in her article. An overwhelming attraction to one person. Obsessive thoughts about the person. Feeling the need to protect the person you are in love with. Possessive thoughts and actions. Extreme jealousy over the other interpersonal interactions and low self-esteem. Now, at first, the recipient may enjoy the attention, the affection, and overwhelming presence of their admirer. But when he or she gets over the initial excitement and the dust settles, it is obvious there is a serious problem. They did not find love. They found a disorder. According to Cherney, only 0.1% of people have been diagnosed with obsessive love disorder. So, friend, there is no need to, to diagnose your admirer or spouse, but do be aware of unhealthy behaviors. When we love God's way, we do not take ownership of someone we love. Loving God's way is letting the person we love make decisions or be a part of this decision-making process. We treat them like an individual, not a mindless, spineless, and soulless something. They are not a rock to be kicked or thrown around. God does not treat us like that. He has given us free will. We choose. We decide to accept his love or reject it. He doesn't force his love on us, and we shouldn't force our love on others. That is not God's way of loving. We hope the person we love will see something about us that is healthy. We hope they will see something about us that will add value to their lives and bring greater joy and fulfillment. We do not enter into friendships, relationships, and marriage to be miserable and then hate the day we were born. Who dates to be hated? Or who marries to be miserable? No one in his right mind does that. 
The spiritual leaders of the first century were concerned about interpersonal relationships in the family, the church, and the world. The love of God, the love of Christ, was the template they used for teaching others how to love in a holy and healthy way. The Apostle Paul instructed wives to serve their husbands and for the husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. You'll find that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, go all out of your way to love your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. God's way of loving is sacrificial. It's not selfish or self-centered. When a man loves his wife the way Christ loves the church, he sacrifices his life to beautify her. He is genuinely concerned about her health and happiness. Nothing is too good for her. Nothing. We see how glorious and glamorous New Jerusalem is. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 2, the Apostle John wrote, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. New Jerusalem is adorned with the glory of God. She is magnificently glorious. When we read of the amazing and unimaginable jewels and stones New Jerusalem was built with, it speaks volumes of the love of God and Christ for the bride church. When Jesus told his disciples he was going away to prepare a place for them, they had no idea of how beautiful it would be. Jesus was laid in a manger as a baby, but he is not taking his bride to a stable. He is bringing her to many mansions in his father's house. A woman or wife knows when a man or her husband loves her by what he does and gives her. Words are wonderful and have their place in communication. But a woman wants something tangible, material, and spendable. Marie asked me when I get a delivery from Amazon, Did you get something for me? Doesn't matter, I handed her two packages, she ordered. She wants to know, was I thinking of her when I placed my order? Which leads to the next Bible verse in 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse number 7, I will read it from the contemporary English version. If you are a husband, you should be thoughtful of your wife. Treat her with honor, because she isn't as strong as you are, and she shares with you in the gift of life, then nothing will stand in the way of your prayers. God's way of loving is being thoughtful, performing acts of kindness, and giving cheerfully from the heart. Marie's favorite Bible verse is Jeremiah 29 and 11. Now, I know I don't need to quote that because it's probably one of your favorites as well. I think I have stumbled across why she loves this verse so much. 
Because God is thinking about her. We think about the people we love. Now, let's talk about fathers loving their children. Fathers desire for their children to be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and socially healthy. The scriptures instruct fathers how to interact in a loving and kind way toward their children. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6, the easy read version reads like this, Fathers, don't make your children angry, but raise them with the kind of teaching and training you learn from the Lord. Friend, can you see the pattern and template of learning how to love in a healthy way? We learn from the Lord. The Lord taught a parable about a father and son relationship. It seems the son did not have a healthy relationship with his father. No fault of the father's. The son prematurely asked for his inheritance so he could leave his father's home and go far away. I'm amazed at the love and gracious response of this father. The father did not lecture him. He didn't beat him and send him to his room. Neither did he disinherit him. He granted his request. The father gave his irresponsible and immature son what he asked for. I have said many times, be careful what you ask God for in prayer. He may give it to you. The son left home and relocated into a foreign land among people who had different values, a different culture, and a social setting totally opposite of his father's home. What was that kid thinking? He wasn't. All he wanted to do was have fun, discover what was on the other side of his father's green grass and holy fence. He wasted no time meeting new friends and going to wild parties. I'm sure there was plenty of beautiful women around to help him spend his money. I can't imagine how intoxicated he got at those parties. Eventually, he ran out of money. And that was the end of the fun. He attempted to, to survive on his own. Because the last thing he wanted was the embarrassment of returning home broke and filthy. Fathers, remember, all children can be proud and stubborn. It takes wisdom and patience to wait for them to mature, to have more life experiences, and to learn to appreciate what healthy love is. Well, this son hit rock bottom. He went as low as he could tolerate. It was at this point he came to his senses. How many times does God lovingly allow us to hit rock bottom before we come to our senses? This kid took a job feeding swine and became so hungry he considered eating their food. Now, that is low. And he was a long way from the lifestyle he foolishly left. The good thing is, 
he came to his senses and decided to return home. What makes this kid think dad would allow his broke and battered self back into the house? He knew the nature of his father. His father genuinely cared for him. He grew up in a home of love, values, discipline, and faith. It was not a risk of rejection to return home. Remember, we don't hurt the people we love, neither do we reject them when they disappoint us. I'm going to say that again. We don't hurt the people we love, neither do we reject them when they disappoint us. He knew a warm welcome awaited him. Friend, God absolutely loves us. We are unhealthy and unholy people serving a loving, caring, and holy God. He has not stopped loving us because we are not perfect. He perfects us by continuing to show us what real love is. This is Bishop Michael Bellamy. I hope you are enjoying our podcast and will subscribe to our Facebook page. You will find our weekly 30-minute podcast on many of your favorite platforms. Please tell your family and friends to listen as well. I totally get the prodigal son's experience. In my early teens, I wanted to explore life and, and have fun. My father took us to church on Sundays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and we were there all day on Sunday. We were not allowed to listen to secular music, watch television, go to the movie theater, attend the sock hop dances at school, play cards or any games with dice, or any of the things that we thought were fun. My dad was a holiness preacher, and he ruled his home by sanctification. I left my father's house at an early age and lived with unsaved relatives for a while. I went to a place where I could smoke, drink, party, entertain my girlfriends, and everything I couldn't do at my father's house. It was fun and exciting until I nearly died smoking marijuana laced with chemicals. I remember asking a friend to call my father. It was late at night and Dad was in bed sleeping. Dad answered the phone and I asked for prayer. He asked, Are you doing something you shouldn't be doing? I lied and answered, No, sir. The truth is, I was so high it felt like I was losing my mind. I'm surprised I was coherent enough to ask someone to call him and then ask for prayer. Eventually, someone took me home. 
my father never mentioned it. Children may rebel, but a father's love forgives their recklessness and foolishness. There are lyrics to a song that comes to my mind. He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. Aren't you glad we have a father who loves us even in our unhealthy ways and habits? Aren't you thankful he patiently waits for us to grow up, to mature out of our self-destructive behaviors? The father joyfully received his son home and had a great celebration with family and friends. I left home on many occasions, but was always allowed to return. My, my bedroom was there. Dad continued to feed and clothe me. Although I terribly embarrassed him and the family name, he never denied me as being his son. He never stopped praying for me or loving me. Today, I passed the, the church he led for almost 40 years. That could only happen with a father who loves God's way. A father who doesn't hold grudges, but is willing to forgive and restore a son who was lost. The prodigal's son father told his family and friends, for my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. This is how our Heavenly Father responds when His children return home. Now, may I speak to someone who fears rejection if you return home? Do you consider it a high risk and that you may make a fool out of yourself? If you think that way, it is because you do not know how much God loves you. You are not the worst of worse. You are not a lost cause. It is not over for you. Come home. I feel the Holy Spirit is ministering to someone. You know who you are. Come home. The eldest son was not happy to see his brother return and be celebrated. But he wasn't the father and it wasn't his home. He did not want to be a part of the celebration. But that didn't stop his loving father from rejoicing. Perhaps some people may not celebrate your decision to return. They think you should be punished for your reckless adventures, for losing your father's hard-earned investment. Let them be bitter while you get better. You will be in a better place. You will dress better, eat better, sleep better, be appreciated, loved, and respected for making the right decision. You cannot be bitter when you're doing better. I will say that again. You cannot be bitter when you're doing better. Friends, we have a little time left, but 
I feel led to close today's podcast on that thought. I feel very strongly that the Holy Spirit is ministering to someone right now. I do. I pray and hope you will be able to identify the unhealthy behaviors in your life and the people who bring unhealthy baggage into your life. I pray and hope you will embrace and experience love God's way. As I say many times when I'm preaching or teaching, I heard it again. You cannot be bitter when you're doing better. Friends, it's Black History Month, and our team of producers and I are celebrating by sharing some wonderful poems with you at the end of our podcast this month. I am excited to have Chardonnay Muhammad, one of our producers, with me. Hello, Chardonnay. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Thank you so much for joining me, and um, I know that you have selected another um, beautiful poem to share with us during this month of Black History. What do you have for us today? So today I'll be reading Dreams by Langston Hughes. Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, Life is a barren field, frozen with snow. Dreams by Langston Hughes. Wow, very um, to the point. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, Langston Hughes is is one of my favorites. Going back to my my uh, days of um, of high school, how many ever decades that was. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. Chardonnay, and we look forward to hearing another point from you on next week. You be safe, stay healthy, and God bless.